Well, good morning. Good morning. I uh, I been, just rolled out. Oh, we've actually kept to us. Oh, fair enough. No, I I completely <laughs> I did not just wake up, but I did sleep only f- for some reason four or five hours. Just couldn't sleep last night. Mm-hmm. Work stress. Okay, what what I guess is what is the f- what's the stress? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that is a good question. I. It, it isn't. I mean, it's a surprisingly it is, it is hard question to formulate because the, the semester hasn't started yet, right? For me, for you, it has. Uh, yes. Mine starts in what two days time? Gosh, two days okay. time because tomorrow is MLK Day. Tomorrow is uh, oh yes, MLK Day. Yeah, is it? Yeah. I I feel Hello? like it is. <laughs> Did I lose you? For a bit, yes. Do you want to start over? My dad just died. My dad died. I mean, we may have to. Yeah. Uh, Shit, I don't know what to do with this internet. It's just cutting out all the time. Okay, I mean, I'm... Okay, I think it's stable now. I think it's stable it, now. It, do you want to do a second Yeah, yeah let's, do, let's do another intro. I think that was a bit of a lethargic intro as well. You want to just uh, start, uh, stop the recording or just carry on? Hello. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Come on. Okay. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. For a bit. Okay. Sorry. The internet is really, really fucked up. I okay. I dropped out completely. I've I've switched to a different network from uh-huh. the same router. It's it seems stable now, but I have no idea whether or not this will uh, persist. But yeah. Okay. All Where right. were we? Uh, I want to do another round of. Yeah. Sinks. Yeah. Let's do an yeah. intro again. Uh, no need to restart the recording. Right. Just carry on. Right. No need. Yeah, I can just do it. Yeah, okay. Pack. Okay, so one, two, three. All right, on my end. Three, two, one. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. It's been a week. We are actually. No, it's uh, been two weeks. Recording. Well, what? It's been two weeks. Oh, shit. <laughs> it has been two weeks. Okay, see, this is. <laughs> nah. My. My my sense of time has completely gone out the window. It's it's been two weeks because I asked games not to quick, record right? yeah. last week for games done quick. Yes, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I I mean okay, it happens twice a year. So yes, they always have one in the winter, awesome games done quick, and then one in the summer, summer games done quick. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And it lasts for a week. It runs 24-7 for that week. I mean, hmm. 24-7, right? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, 24 hours for seven days. And then that week, depending on what else is going on, um, I may get nothing else done that week. <laughs> so, yeah, the last time... What was the summer games done quick happened while I was doing my boot camp, my ah. my web development boot camp, yes. and um, I was I was doing the boot camp remotely at that time, so yeah, I was working and then I had I had a tab open just on GDQ. <laughs> um, Fair enough. I mean, I, so long as you know it doesn't I, I become think, too distracting. I think a lot of people work that way during GDQ week from what I've seen in Discord. (laughs) Yeah. And in the case of this, you know, in the case of last week, actually, 
so it it so happened that let me think um what happened oh okay i mean so it's just new year things right so you know yes gdq started on the 3rd of january so it's kind of like you you round up your new year celebrations right and then mm-hmm. from the 3rd of january all the way to the 10th of january um my my schedule was dictated by gdq right uh, like uh. you i have no sense of of time whatsoever um yep. i'm just thinking you know like i'm free between this run and that run right like i'm like oh if you want to meet i am available between uh <laughs> between yakuza 6 and like uh, whatever yakuza 6 that's a game i haven't heard of in a long long time good grief i had never actually heard of the yakuza series until gdq okay. and right. um they had an incentive for the rugby baby cutscene. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, so I mean, you can imagine that during GDQ, the thing about speedrunning, obviously, is you want to finish games as fast as possible. And yes. by and large, that means avoiding cutscenes where possible. Yes. But um, there are some games where the cutscenes are epic. Right. Okay. And so there are some games that will be run just on cutscenes alone. So, um, what was that game? Um, Zelda, Phoenix, One of Gamelon. Right. Oh, Zelda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zelda, One of Gamelon. Um, uh-huh. that had an incentive of a hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So again, for if you're not Good familiar with GDQ. God. Yeah, if you're not familiar with GDQ, it is uh, again it's a speed running marathon that happens twice that happens twice a year and I sound like an ad but whatever. <laughs> so it happens twice a year and um, they will always be raising money for one of two foundations, um, mm. either the Prevent Cancer Foundation or Doctors Without Borders. Yes, both, so of, whom, in, both of which are very very worthy beneficiaries of charity. Yeah. Yeah, I think in both cases, GDQ is the single largest donor. Wow, um, shit. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. So okay. for in in the winter, in, in January, it's usually PCF. So right, yes. this one was for PCF. And what yeah. they do is they open incentives or bid wars, right? So you can, <laughs> you can bid, for example, for like what should, you know, your trainer name in Pokemon be? Sure, right? yeah. Um, assuming yeah. that it's up for grabs because often it's used for RNG manipulation and things like that, right? Right. But, I mean, uh, there, there there was one bit war for, like, for um, Pokemon Blue catch em all, which is a glitched category because you can't catch all 151 Pokemon yep. unless you glitch, and right? There right. is a glitchless equivalent, which is um, 126 Pokemon, which is to catch right. all 126, yes. yeah. That are available in a single game. 151 will include Mew, which requires that that weird glitch that uh, I used a long-ass time ago. The one where you have to press the start button between uh, before the guy's exclamation mark comes up. Uh, Yes. Was that that hack they used? um, They wouldn't call it a hack. They would call it a glitch. It's not a hack. It's, It's an exploit, yeah. Yeah. In the sense that I think the guideline... I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? Because like when you're a kid and you're playing Pokemon, like there is an element of that that feels like cheating, 
right? Well, and I mean, this one isn't really cheating because because there, there is a fixed strategy. It's it's not like you're you're gaming this system, but there is actually a fixed way of doing it that, that for some so, reason occurs because of you know it was built into the game somehow. So the guideline that again, this is you know based on discussions. I mean. From the Pokemon speedrunning community, they, they have had extended discussions about what constitutes a glitch, right? I can imagine, um, yes. Yeah. Missing no, for example. The, the missing no glitch is related to... Oh, well, it's not related to that. They are, they are, it's used in conjunction with it. So, right. um, what happens with the... What happens with um, a lot of the glitch categories, at least in Gen 1, Generation 1, Red, Blue, Yellow, is mm. that... Um, they use the, let me think, what is it called? So the one where, that you're talking about, right, is in Pewter City. Um, uh, is it Pewter City? I, or I I, are, are you talking, clear. are you talking about Viridian? No, I'm talking about the Cerulean glitch. Uh, I, I, I can, I can quite vividly remember this, this, this is for Mew, not Mewtwo, uh, this, yeah. So basically, the idea is: wait, is it? You may have to start in Viridian. So you might to talk to the guy who who teaches you who teaches how to, you catch, how to catch a Pokemon, yeah, right. And then you have to fly to Cerulean City and step in front of the guy with the slow poke. And before he the exclamation mark comes out, you have to press start. How am I still remembering this? This was donkey years ago. They don't and use this f- one. They don't. Oh, use then this you fly one. to Saffron City and you walk, I think, south one step, and then Mew will spawn. There is no time. There is no time in a speed run to play through six fair. to play through six towns. Um, okay, that's fair. But yeah, no. I, I think this this this. I mean, gosh, when did I read about this? And it, it's legit. This, this is none of that you know rubbish. What pushing the truck near near the SSN, which obviously is complete bunkum. But this 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 code actually well not code, but this strategy actually works because yeah. I've done I, it several times. I mean, the discussion about what constitutes a glitch. I mean, part of it mm-hmm. is. Um, speedrunning has has many different categories, as you can imagine, because some people want to play um, certain types of runs. So, for example, I mean, yes. um, a classic example that that I always think of is like half. Is it half? No, Portal. Is it Half Life or right. Portal that has this? It's one of those two. I mean, they use the same engine, and they came out yes. around the same time. So, um, I think it's Portal. I could be wrong about that. Where um, inbounds and outbounds are completely different categories, right? Because ah. if you can go out of bounds, you can yes. walk just about anywhere you want. Right. Right. Um, yes. Then there are some other there are some other areas where, for example, in um, Super Mario sixty four, which is a game I don't play. Mm-hmm. I've never played it. Never had an N sixty four. I've never played it either. Um, yeah. One third one. Did N64 actually ever make it big in Singapore? I don't think so. Not in Singapore. Not at least during our time. Yeah. Yeah. One third one, but to play Pokemon Stadium, but just Uh. never. (laughs) It just never happened. I think the thing about N64 is that it was not that great of a console, but anyway. Right. That's. that's Anyway. But I mean, even things like GameCube mm -hmm. never made it big in Singapore either, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing about um, SM64, right, which again, I don't. You know, I I am not familiar with the game. Never played it. Uh, is that they have categories for seventy stars, sixteen stars, and I think there's one more, and that's just you know because I think in order to progress through the game normally, 
you need 70 stars or something like that. Right. Or there is one checkpoint for 70 stars. But since then, since the 70 star category was run, people have figured out a way to do um, to run it in 16 stars. I see. Yeah. And huh. what that is, how they do it is they clip out of bounds. So yes. there is an area where you are supposed to only be able to reach when you hit 70 stars, but they manage to clip into it uh, and that brings the number down to 16. And you can imagine that if they were the same category, it would be extremely disruptive because you are not, it's not the same, it's really not the same route at all. Right. So they yeah. do different routes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, for Pokemon, uh, for Pokemon Blue, Catch Em All is a glitched category. The glitchless right. equivalent is um, 126 Pokemon. Yes. Because that's all you can catch without yeah. glitches. They yeah. also have... Um, it's not a trivial category exactly because there is still some skill involved. Um, they call it any percent no major glitches. No, that can't be it. Because any percent is definitely not no major glitches. Yeah. Um, no save... No, no save corruption. No save corruption okay. is what it's called. Right. So... If you do just pure any percent and you allow yep. corrupting the save, right? Uh, it's trivial to to break the Pokemon Gen One games. Yes. In Pokemon, generally, um, winning the game means getting your Pokemon in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Notice I did not say beat the Elite Four. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, because, some uh, yeah. technical territory here. Correct, yeah. Because a document more you, can, you can often just get straight into the Hall of Fame without going through the Elite Four. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you've never played Pokemon, like, you have no idea what we're talking about. It's fine. <laughs> so... And we don't apologize. Yeah. I mean, you should play Pokemon. So... <laughs> They what they do is they do a combination for 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 what category we're we talking about to begin with catch them all. Mm. What they do is they do a combination of a glitch called Trainer Fly, uh, which I don't right. fully, okay. I, I don't understand what that constitutes exactly. I think I've heard of this before for some yeah. reason. I mean, I've never actually you know properly fully glitched up Pokemon, but I, you hear these things when you read yeah. up about these things. Then the other one is, um, they call it Brock through walls. So, right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And what, what that is, is in Pewter City, there's that guy that stops you from going to Mount Moon if you haven't beaten Brock. Yeah. Um, but what you can do is at the moment that the exclamation mark appears over his head or just before it you can press start yes. and save the game and then you restart oh yeah and what that lets you do is because what what happens normally is the way it triggers is you step past that point right yep and the guy says hey you know uh, you haven't beaten Brock don't don't go to Mount Moon basically right right but if you save at that point, you restart, that that flag doesn't trigger. Yes, correct. Yeah, and so you can walk yeah, to yeah, the yeah. right. You can walk to the right of him and then you talk to him from the right. 
Okay, and he walks off to the left, mm-hmm. but then weird stuff happens, and now you can walk through walls. Yes, yeah. I think I think the 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 Gen One games generally had this problem with the sort of the flag being triggered by yes uh, 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 after the exclamation mark pops up. Right, so there is that delay yes. where if you get your start menu up before the flag is triggered, and that's how the Mew glitch. I, I've I've uh, I've included it in the show notes. I think it's called it's method one of the Mew glitch. There's actually multiple methods to get Mew. Yeah. Um. It's I think it works on the same principle as well because yeah. you are effectively trying to trigger a, a the start menu before the exclamation mark pops up on the guy's head, yeah. on some guy's head at least. Yeah. So the thing about the early console games in general is that they have very limited memory. <laughs> yes. And you can often do really weird stuff by manipulating um, by memula- manipulating the memory or mem- manipulating yes. pointers, right? And mm-hmm. um, the entire the entire catch em all run is basically um, <laughs> they they get very close to being able to do whatever the, the heck they want in the <laughs> game. Um, so you can do some set of manipulations to the point where you can basically manipulate memory by rearranging items in your bag. Yes, I remember and, this one. Yeah, and the, and the entire stretch of catch em all is you're just, you're rearranging items and, um, finding Pokemon where they shouldn't be, basically. Um... Uh, what was kind of scary is during the GDQ run, the runner actually made a mistake um, okay. early on, and then he had to recover from it on the fly, which is, is very scary, as you imagine, because you are, you are literally yeah. just playing with the game's memory. Yeah. Improvising <laughs> with the game's memory. Uh, he right? Off, you could completely is... break the whole thing, right? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's... And uh, I mean, like, how how deeply do you have to know the game to be able to do that? Um, That's right. It's yeah, just insanity. Anyway, let's just say early Nintendo games or early console games in general are very broken. Um, well, not broken, but they they had limitations. They had limitations. Exploit, yes, right? correct. I mean. With with all of the games, I mean, I'm talking mostly about Pokemon because that's what I'm most familiar with. But with yeah. all the games, you see some kind of strange limitations. Um, generation 2 games, Gold, Silver, Crystal, they are the mm-hmm. only generation of games that have no known RNG manipulation. Or maybe some has been found. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Is that... Been... Wait. In, in... Huh. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And so the Gen 2 games, um, they are purely about routing. Okay. And I feel like I feel like there's probably more optimization to be had because they're still routing with starter Pokemon. Mm. As far as I'm aware. Anyway. I mean, you know, this is something that comes out of if you play with save states on the emulator, for example, yeah. right? You can always jump back to previous save state and you can manipulate that in order to get the rare Pokemon you want from a grass patch. Right, but the thing Which about... Which I think oh, worked best in the second gen. Wait. As in, the, it was... Yep. I was going to say, no, Gen 2, they they don't... They don't route fully with starter Pokemon. Uh, when you okay. get... When you get Suicune, they Suicune, switch over to that. Late. 
Yeah, but it doesn't matter because at the point where okay. you get Suicune, it's stronger than whatever Pokemon you have. No, that is true. It is. Right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It, that, that was one of the weird things about that generation where yeah, once Suicune shows up, it's you like oh. Suicune. I'm it's quite to late think. in Crystal. At least in Crystal, it's quite late in, right? You must have reached um, uh, the fighting gym by then. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, I cannot remember how, how that goes. Anyway, to to go it's back... Between, it's before the steel gym. It's before you... you uh, because you have to get the medicine correct. for it's, Janine. It's, it's between uh, fighting and steel, yeah. But anyway... Yes, how the hell do I still remember this? <laughs> yes. I mean, some, some of this just... Dies hard. Like okay, I've been playing um, Soul Silver because I've never been. Okay. Uh, I've I've stuck to early generation games pretty much, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. actually Pokemon Speedruns that got me playing the later generation sure. games because because you you see it and then you're like, huh, actually that looks kind of interesting. Um, and then and then you see some stuff that, like for example, I saw I want to say, um. Sapphire before okay. no Sapphire or Emerald before yeah, I pl- okay. I think Emerald actually before I finished Gen 3 if I'm not mistaken is that right okay well um, I mean no, wait, wasn't they Gen 3 Sapphire yes uh, that's Ruby, Gen 3 Sapphire yeah. Emerald yeah that's right yeah yeah so so you 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 watch the speedrun at GDQ like just you know where the tower you go up to to fight Rayquaza? Yes. Yes. Yep. And then you just watch the Sky the, Tower, Sky Pillar, whatever. The it's sky called, yeah. yeah, the Sky Pillar, yeah. And then you just watch the speedrunner just like do it first try. <laughs> and then like when <laughs> oh I god. when I played it for the first time, right? I was like, Oh my god, how do you even get up there? Right. Uh, I, I think it took me like forty minutes. Is that right? Yeah. Sky- because I mean, because I remember Skypillar having yeah, the the, part, the jumping puzzle, right? Is it? Um, because I think you have to be like on the bike. You do, you yeah. There is a jumping puzzle with the bike. Yeah, yeah, that correct. generation had that really annoying bike puzzle. Which you, the the problem is with the bike puzzle, and this this something that pissed me off a lot, is that you know if you're running in speed boosted mode, yes, your you precision with can't. the bike drops. So you have to go back to regular speed and slowly jump your ass through this. The ramp, the ramp yeah. puzzle to get so, to... <laughs> the thing about all um, speed runs is that there are generally rules about what um, console emulation you can play on. Right. And for Pokemon, um, I mean, some emulators are allowed, but by and large, I think you have to be on a console or one of I several okay. approved consoles. Mm. So... I mean, it gets complicated because some games can be played on multiple consoles, right? Yes. Um, but I think generally they are regarded to be the same. So, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's the... Like, there's no way you'd be able to play on a emulation with with um, Fast Forward, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and even even when the first when the first world record for Pokemon Red came out, with um okay so there there is a long history about this there is a guy called summoning salt who does these ridiculously detailed speedrun videos uh or videos about the history of speedrunning and he goes into details about the glitches that are found 
and how each each glitch like brings down the time or each route brings down the time right wow. and for some very very refined speed runs like the amount of of research and work and everything that goes into bringing down like a fraction of a second yeah is is crazy like for me i think the most to my mind at least right the the best example of this is super mario brothers okay right um currently the record is Four minutes, 55 seconds and change. Four minutes? Yeah. And <laughs> it took ages for four minutes, 56 to be breached. Um, but since it was, since that mark was set, multiple, well, I say multiple people. I mean, in reality, it's like three people or, mm. or something have, have gone below um, four minutes, 56 Okay. Um, but if you look at the speedrun leaderboards for Super Mario Brothers, the it's like, it's like fifty people have sub five minute timings, right? Wow. And they all cluster within like they are all within a few seconds of each other. Yeah, can right? imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that's mean, you're effectively reaching a stage where you know you're plateauing off, right? Because there is that you know. Yeah, what's your it's like, exploit? It's, it's usable. It's like Bitcoin mining. <laughs> it is like Bitcoin mining, <laughs> right? Like when you when you get very 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 close to optimal, you have to pour so many man hours into just yep. squeezing out that last few keyframes. Yeah. Uh yeah, and it's it's craziness because basically you have to get execution has to be hundred percent throughout. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. and that's kind of you're at a stage where when somebody does a world record, they'll point out maybe like one or two places where time could still be saved. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about you're talking in terms of like frames, right? Yep. So literally fractions of a second at that point. Yep. Um, and oh, they they call it frame rules, not keyframes. Sorry. So the thing about okay, the thing about. <laughs> <laughs> Again, keep him animated. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing about the thing about speed running and and keyframes, uh, keyframes, frame rules. This is one of those like analogies that comes up often. Is that and again, how did people even find this out? <laughs> so the thing about frame rules is that at the end of Super Mario Brothers, right, when you hit the flag and then. Mario walks mm. over to the castle and, you know, not the castle, but it's like the, 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 castle, the thing or the yeah. pipe or whatever, right? Yeah. To progress to the, to the next world. Um, yeah. That progress doesn't happen at a fixed interval. Or it, it does, okay. well, depend on, depending on how, how, you, how you think of intervals, right? So okay. when you hit the flag and when Mario walks over, it doesn't progress to the next screen until, um, except at fixed frame rules. So what that means is, let's say you hit the, let's say you hit the flag at frame X, right? Yes. Mario doesn't always progress to the next stage at frame X plus Y, for example. Right. Okay. Okay. Like that, okay. that Y interval is not constant. Huh. Yeah. 
So oh, that, why? Oh, okay. That's that's quite weird, though. I, yeah. Why? So this is where the frame rules come in, right? Right. So there are certain frame rules on which Mario can advance to the next level. Okay. Okay. And they always they use this analogy of catching the bus. You arrive yes. at the bus stop, but you have to wait for the bus. And sometimes yes. you miss the bus. Okay. And okay. that means that some time losses are trivial and some time losses are are not because yes, it, they cause you so. to miss the frame rule. Anyway, mm. um, we got Bloody here by hell. talking about incentives. So yeah. yes, we did. <laughs> it was an incentive. Oh anyway, I, I mentioned it because um, in the catch em all run, there was an incentive for a Pidgey. Uh, a PG nickname <laughs> and an incentive for an Ekans nickname and for quite a while oh, the no. Ekans the winning bid for Ekans was Pidgey and the winning bid for Pidgey was Ekans <laughs> and so what people do is you know ideally right you look at the when you when you decide you want to donate money to PCF or or MSF you yeah. put your donation in and then there is a list of available incentives Right, sure. and you can decide. Okay, I want to put, you know, I, I'm donating twenty five dollars. I want to don- put like, like twenty dollars towards um, naming Pidgey Ekans, <laughs> right? And then they keep a running total of oh dear, yeah, of of which which bit is winning basically, uh, and they do this for a lot of things. Like for example, in games where you can play multiple characters, um, they use this to decide whether you are going to... which character you're going to play, right? Right. Things like mm-hmm. what name is going to be set for for character or for file name. Um, for a very long time, um, I think Super Metroid, because I've never played the Metroid games, so I... I've um, never played Metroid either. Somehow yeah. Somehow it just never... Yeah. yeah, it just never came on my radar. Right. Until... Un- yeah, until like I was... Until like a couple of years ago, to be honest. Uh, well, not a couple, <laughs> but until like maybe five years ago. Like Metroid was just right. not on my radar at all. So, um, the thing about Super Metroid, I think is the one, uh, at the end of the game, um, Samus is supposed to save some animals before leaving the level. That's right. That's the canonical gameplay, right? Yes. Like this is what you would do as a kid if you are playing through the game and you reach the end. You'll be like, oh, save the animals and then get out and then you win. Uh, but it's not required. So, okay. um, speedrunners being speedrunners, right? Killing the animals, leaving them to die is faster. <laughs> and so for years, for years, GDQ would have a Super Metroid game near the end with um, a bit war for saving or killing the animals. <laughs> And that would draw in like huge amounts of money. Like people would donate. I mean, you have to give it to those yeah. guys. It's a pretty clever way to raise money. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, this GDQ, they removed the Super Metroid run and incentive. And oh, that's a shame. The, it is a shame, but I mean, they've been doing this for years now. And yeah, what yeah. I heard was that it was removed because it was drawing too much money away from other incentives. <laughs> Like, they would struggle to meet other incentives because people were putting so much money into saving or killing the animals. I mean, yeah, fair and enough. So, yeah, so 
Zelda, Warn of Gamelon. That was a $160,000 incentive. To, Bloody hell. Um, was it to watch the cutscenes? or No, no, okay. no. I think... I don't remember whether it was to play the game or to watch the cutscenes. I right. think it was just to play the game, actually. Well, I can't remember. One or the other, basically. Um, and again, during a... During a normal run, you would not see cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on whether you can skip the cutscenes. Yeah. Right? Some games, you can't skip the cutscenes. Yeah. Then, during that time, they just use that time to read out donations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because people send in their donations with, with comments and stuff. <laughs> so, for example, um, there is a... There is a game called Mr. Bones that I've never heard of until... I've never heard of this before either. Yeah. To be fair, you know, I don't game a lot. And so a lot of games pass me by without me noticing them. It's a game for the Sega Saturn. Gosh, that's an old-ass platform. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I don't know if you have a PC version. Have you ever seen one before? Yeah. So, um, one of Gamelon and... And uh, what was it, Mr. Bones? They're part of a block called Awful Games. Right. Awesome Games, <laughs> Awful Games, right? Summer Games has an equivalent for silly games. And uh, they are what they sound like. Basically, you're watching games that <laughs> are not great. Suck. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, there is an element of why did they even make this? <laughs> Um, Which in itself is, I think, quite endearing, right? After a while. It is. It is. And I think the thing about awful is, like, truly awful doesn't cut it. It needs (laughs) to be so awful it's transcendent. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's aesthetically awful. It's, it's, It's become its own aesthetic, basically. Yes. So on Hello Internet, they call this um, the Maryland Point. Uh, right. Because the flag of Maryland, if you've ever seen it. <laughs> oh, no, seen it? no, I haven't. No, hang on. Flag of yeah. Maryland. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't seen the flag of Maryland, it is quartered. And the two quarters, I mean, it, it's quartered, but then, um, you know how quartered flags are? They usually have like, you know, the two diagonals often yep. have the same pattern. So yes. the the two patterns, they completely don't match at all. One they do is, not at all. Yeah, one is gold and white. Black. And the other is gold and black. No, and then gold and black. Burgundy. And then burgundy yeah. and white. And, yep. <laughs> and, and they also have yeah, so it's it's just a total mess. But on Hello Internet, they they think of it as it's so awful, it's epic. Right. It's its own yes. kind of epic. Yes, it yeah. has it has achieved some quality to it that that is uh, as a result of its awfulness. Yes. And so that all the awful normal games Normal awful doesn't quite encompass. So all the awful games they fall into this category. And um, <laughs> for uh, one of Gamelon, I mean, <laughs> like there, there was just so much about it that I didn't know. For example, I did not know that Philips ever made a console. Uh, yeah. It had, I think, like two or three games. <laughs> yeah. It was mercifully discontinued. <laughs> Died. 
Um, so I just looked up the Sega Saturn, and holy cow! I've this uses a CD. Uh, it's not even the Sega cartridge that you know is quite classic. Yeah, that one I've used before. I think this one just is this what supposed to be compete with the PlayStation or something? I mean, I'm again. Well, I'm not up to speed on my console history. Fair, but you know there was this whole. And I didn't play a lot of consoles either myself. I I, I had a friend who had a, a, a very old Sega console. That right. used the cartridge that you had to, you know, blow into to, to get it to work once in a while. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we yeah, remember that's cartridges at least. But yes, well, that's I, what, I mean, Game Boy cartridges, sure. But, you know, the, the Sega cartridges were quite iconic as well during its time. I mean, I remember the discussion about, um, I mean, this is a PlayStation versus uh, Nintendo kind of, Sony versus Nintendo kind of discussion because mm-hmm. the PlayStation moved to CDs or, I mean, were they, did they ever have cons- um, cartridges? I'm, I'm not sure they did. No, right? The right? PS1 yeah. was purely CD, yeah. Yeah, whereas Nintendo stuck out with cartridges for very long. I don't think ever. their main console moved to CDs until the Wii, I want to say. The GameCube, they, right? Oh, maybe yeah, GameCube. So mm. they, they stuck it out. And their rationale was that cartridges are more performant because that's a that's um, a form of media that's developed specifically for the console, right? right. Whereas when when you're on a CD, you're limited by the limitations of the CD standard. Okay. Right. Um, but I think it's also one of those, you know. The technological consideration is not the only consideration. You also have an ecosystem consideration sure. because it was a pain for, as I understand it at least, it was a pain for developers to develop for the N64. Mm-hmm. And they would rather do it on the PlayStation just because it was so much easier to build stuff for CDs rather than for cartridges. Yep. So then, yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, if you think about great PlayStation games versus great N64 games... You're kind of hard pressed to think of great N64 games. Um, yeah, the I mean the the games that are that you think of when you think of N64 are not N64 games; they're Nintendo games, right? They are like yes, Mario yeah. games or Pokemon games. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the um, Sega Saturn. Uh, I don't know how many. I'm not fa- again. I'm not really familiar with with my consoles, but the Mr. Bones was the first game that I know of that was played on <laughs> the Sega Saturn and only purely because... This up. I have no idea what this Mr. Bones... Okay, so it's hilarious. It is... It's a comedy uh, film set in South Africa. What? Uh, is... No, I don't think that's the one. <laughs> no, okay. No, no, I think yeah, it's different. Okay, yeah, I, I see the Wikipedia page now. Okay. So the, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the, the story behind Mr. Bones, and again, it's one of those things that, it's one of those things that it's, it's awful because you're like, what is this thing? <laughs> but, but it's also amazing because you're like, well, for such a strange idea, it's actually kind of well executed uh, <laughs> because they really committed to it. So the idea behind this is that there is this evil vampire um, who wants to raise an army of undead to take over the world. Yes. And he chose a cemetery <laughs> of criminals. 
right? Because his idea was that I'm going to raise this this army of undead former criminals and they will be as ruthless and violent as, as I need them to be. Yes. I mean, if you're going to raise an army of evil, you better go all in on the evil, right? Might yes. Well. But in this case, there was... Uh, there is this guy... Um, Blue Eyes, basically, or Mr. Bones, right, who was also buried there. He's this musician, basically, who was buried there. And uh, when he's raised from the dead, he's like, oh, what's going on? And um, and basically, the, the undead army kind of turns on him. And so the, the first thing that you have to do is you have to run away. <laughs> it's like, it's an auto-scroller where you just have to run away from all the undead people who are chasing you. And right. yeah. And the course of the game is defeating this evil vampire, basically, who's... Right. Uh, I see something about music and drums. Okay, so this is the extremely weird part. So right <laughs> after you run away from the, from the army of the undead, Mr. Bones stumbles up upon this person um, playing guitar in a cabin yes. and and this person <laughs> is also blind and I think the okay. blind part is just so that he's not alarmed by the fact that he's being visited by a skeleton yes yeah and so Mr. Bones shows up and then he invites him in to play the guitar and Mr. Bones plays the guitar <laughs> it's like it's like what is happening so apparently this is um this is like a tribute to blues music or something like that and that's why Mr. Blones has blue eyes all blue eyes is that right okay um yeah and there are sections where where you have to play again play the drums play the guitar uh in order to like chase away chase away like other skeletons and, and stuff and the the health mechanic is extremely weird <laughs> um, the health mechanic mechanic is you lose bones yes and, uh, mm. yeah you lose bones and that affects your gameplay physics as well because you know if you lose like your leg bones for example then you just bounce around on a torso and right. if you don't have arms, then you can't do things that require arms. You just run about. Yes. Uh, it's extremely bizarre. <laughs> it's extremely bizarre. And I think it's one of those... Every GDQ, there are some runs that are just like, can't miss. This is one of those because if you saw it live, you just spend the whole time going like, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> there is a level called Big Bones. Where Mr. Bones oh, no. is jumping around on a giant version of his own skull. And I'm like, <laughs> who thought of this? It's, 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 it's actually really well done, but just like okay. conceptually... What? Left of field, right? How yeah. Did, somebody sat down and thought, this entire yep. game into existence and storyboarded this out and then animated it and then programmed it yeah according to wikipedia the uh, uh the the character of mr bones is performed via motion capture yes i i believe so <laughs> so is... it was um wow full motion full motion video i think is is what that 
Holy cow. What that um, type of <clears throat> development is called. And that's one of right. the early games where the character animation or the... the I, I don't want to say like cutscenes necessarily, but um, mm. a big chunk of the game movement was captured using video as opposed right. to being pre- not procedurally generated, but as opposed to just yep. being, you know, programmed via sprites. Yeah. Yeah, so wow. that was a thing. Um, the awful games for this GDQ was like 10 hours. <laughs> it's huh. just non-stop awful games. Um, <laughs> but I mean, going back to cutscenes and Yakuza 6, they had an incentive for what was called the Rugby Baby cutscene. The Rugby Baby and as I understand it, in Yakuza 6, what's going on is that there is um, a bastard son of a you know, Yakuza leader or scion or something, basically. Okay. And, you know, in a clan wars or gang wars, right, a rival gang has targeted this baby because okay. they think he's going to become the future leader of the next clan or of the clan or something I don't know how this goes sure. I just saw the cutscene that's all I know of the game okay <laughs> and like that was literally all that because I didn't even watch the game I just heard people talking about Robbie Baby and I had to watch the Robbie <laughs> Baby Rugby sequence baby. and um, the clan to whom the baby belongs right they are confronted by this rival gang that wants to kidnap the baby okay and uh, it is what it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> right, it's gang members in a cutscene throwing the baby from one like person rugby. to another while they try and spirit the baby away, basically. Um, so yeah, and it's amazing they have like close ups of the baby's face oh. as he's being thrown through the air, and it really is like it really is like rugby because. It's, you, you know, it's one gang has a number of people on the field, so to speak, and they're yeah. being faced by an opposing line of <laughs> rival gang members and they have to spirit the baby to safety, right? So they have to kind of yes. like, what is it in rugby? Is it a touchdown in rugby? It is a touchdown, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know my rugby and American football terms. So yeah, yes. they just throw the baby over. Uh, and they have all these like slow motion sequences where wonderful like, yeah one person is holding the baby and then they look to their right and then their you know fellow gang member their comrade is like running up alongside and like opening his arms and then the baby flies through the air right and then the rivals the rivals turn in slow motion and watch the baby fly Unbelievable. It's ridiculous. I don't know how much that alone raised, but like the, <laughs> the thought that people will pay money <laughs> to yes. watch this, um, to watch these types of cutscenes is... I mean, it sounds like a pretty epic cutscene. No, not going to lie. It's so really that. epic. Yeah. And I mean, Yakuza 6 is not an awful block. Like, it's a legit game. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a legit game and... Uh, it was they, they, they stack the really really good runs towards the weekend it was a weekend run I see yeah anyway I've chatted on about GDQ long enough it's I'm literally 
just spent 40 minutes explaining why we didn't record last week because I was busy watching yes, which, I mean, Flying Babies. Fair enough. <laughs> so... <laughs> Is there what anything else exciting, to talk about? Because, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. What exciting things happened to you last week? Nothing. Jack shit. Okay. All I right, mean, okay. I'm, I'm still working on this dead bird stuff. So that's uh-huh. that's basically what's been occupying my entire week. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Well, in other news, inspired by GDQ. I mean, I'm, I'm mildly inspired by GDQ twice a year to play more games. Um, yes. Yeah, and so I'm playing... Soul Silver, Pokemon Soul Silver. Yes, you mentioned. <clears throat> yeah. How how is it? I didn't like the remake games. Uh, yeah, the the you know the Gen One Gen Two remake games. They didn't quite somehow capture the um, original joy of the Gen think, One and Gen Two games. I mean, the thing about remakes, they're always very challenging, right? Because there is such a huge amount of nostalgia mm. associated yeah. with with the early games and often the early games look like what they look like because of technological limitations and um the thing about i I always kind of think about this whenever i think about the national library in singapore Mm -hmm. because there is a generation of people who don't have a lot of positive memories associated with the current national library because right for okay, so for a bit of background, right? The current Singapore National Library, right, is this like towering glass monolith. Um yeah. and not particularly architecturally very distinctive to begin with, except for that part at the top. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, other than it, it has like a flying spaceship thing at the top. Yeah. Like Norman Foster style. Yeah. In, very, in the way yeah, that Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Yeah, is it built by Foster? We went through a phase, architecturally speaking, where flying spaceships were big, like the Supreme Court next uh, near down yeah. the road as well. Yes, yeah, I, do. um, <laughs> I I don't know who built the National Library building, but it has that Foster and Associates feel to it. Yeah. Um, if you have ever seen any Norman Foster buildings, it's a bit like that. Yeah. So, the the previous National Library at Fort Canning. Right, it's like a red brick kind of red building, brick. and yep. it was torn down to make way for a highway. And a uh, lot not even of a highway for an for under, an, under tunnel, tunnel, tunnel. Yeah, a tunnel. Yeah, that's not it, yeah. not a highway, not a highway, a, a tunnel. And um, that I think for a certain generation of people is regarded with some level of, of bitterness because they think of it as you know, you're tearing down a library a national library, no less, um, to build a road, right? The national library, not even the national library. The national library, yeah. 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 And to be honest, I don't have enough memories of the old national library to to really make um, any kind of judgment about that. I did. I remember having gone there several times, and I think I, 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 I you know, because I went through. A, I, I'm still in this phase where I really like libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it a point to visit that library the day, uh, last day of operation, to okay. borrow a book, just because you know it. it, it and it is, I mean, the, the architecture is obviously extremely dated. Yeah. Right. By the time it was torn down, uh, and clearly that the structure was 
perhaps not adequate for a national library. But there right. was a certain thing about it, right? The fact that it was right beside the National Museum or, yeah. you know, the Stamford Road National Museum, um, it, it didn't quite gel with the colonial architecture surrounding it, to be fair, right? Because I think mm-hmm. this, 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 this building probably came much later. And, you know, the, the history of library, the, li- the library in Singapore has an interesting history because the original library was part of the Stamford Road National Museum. Right. It was right. when we had the uh, Raffles Museum and Library. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then that got that split out into the National Library. Yeah. So it there there is that sort of you know historical uh, thing about these two institutions being linked in the first That's place. That's true. That's true. And I mean there there's there's a whole other story about the Raffles Museum, and mm-hmm. um, which we will go into some other time. Some other time. Yeah. Um, it may or may not involve, I want to say, whales and dinosaurs. Yes, okay. <laughs> but we'll we'll see, we'll see when we have time to talk about that. Yes. So, I think maybe I visited the National Library like maybe once, the old National really? Library. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to I, be fair, so I mean, they they renovated the inside several times, and right. you know, stepping into this building, you it doesn't feel like an old building because right. it's all been you know redecorated inside and, and stuff. Yeah. Right. So the thing, I mean, the point that I, I'm trying to like get at mm-hmm. is that there is a certain generation of people who dislike the new National Library um, yes. for what it represents, which is a loss of heritage. Yeah. Right? But for me, at least, I have a lot of formative memories at the new National Library. Fair enough. So, yeah. So for me, at least... I don't have that view of the new one. And I think okay. there's probably a generation of Pokemon players who who regard the remakes as being superior to the original just because there is so much more technological um, infrastructure and just, like, quality of life improvements. Well, I mean, okay, gameplay. so the graphics could improve. That's one. But mm-hmm. the post-game stuff... Was it for, for at least for one of the remake generations? Wasn't that impressive? I think it depends on how you define impressive. Like, are you looking for the same thing or more? Right, I think I was looking for more. The right. one with the Sevi Islands was okay. That was Soul Silver, I think. Is it? No, no, no. That that's Fire Red that Green. Is I think so. I think so. Oh. It's been a while okay. since I played Fire Red and Leaf Green. It's, it has been a while since I played that, that generation as well. I kind of skipped on to um, Black and White, which I really liked. And uh, okay. I think uh, Platinum, which was also really good. Platinum is the same generation, actually. But it's obviously a different mm. set of starters. Yeah. Different yeah. story. Yeah. So I haven't... I've been making my way through the generations very, very, very slowly. Because for a very long time, I stopped at Generation 2. And yes. frankly, I still think Crystal is excellent. Although it's I think terrible, Crystal is is par excellence, right? It is for me, dark, yeah, it's hands like, down. Yeah, it's like I the agree. best combination of playability and um, lack of complicatedness, right? Because the game no, mechanics. I mean, it was one of those things where I think no. When I first played Crystal, it was like, oh, okay, it's you know, it's a new region, yeah, uh, Pokemon style. Let's let's battle. Then then you know, at the end, and they don't actually tell you this, but right? then at the end, it's like. Wait, I can go back to Kanto? Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like wow. Yeah. So and I think that was the real kicker for me. 
Right. So it yeah. is like new and old rolled into one. Yeah. I, I think for me, from Generation 3 onwards, it was just... Like, it took me very long to move from Gen 2 to Gen 3 because... Mm-hmm. Firstly, because Crystal alone offers so much. If you really want to play... It's replayable as well. Yeah, if you really yeah. want to play it out. Um, but Generation 3 introduced so many new things. So introduced. Oh, you're not gonna like the future generations then. I know yeah. exactly. So it took me very long to move through the generations because <clears throat> I am a bit of a completionist, which is not really compatible with being a speedrunner. Right. So and I mean, what what you know, the strategy I've adopted mm-hmm. is that some of these things like beauty contests don't bother because it's not going to affect your. It's not going to affect your 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 say your you know your 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 um stats in battle. Right. Yeah. No. I so, you know, exactly. Exactly, but if you're playing through the game for the first time, you don't necessarily mm. know that. That's right? true. Especially if you come to it cold. Um, yeah. And even if you know that it doesn't have an effect, there's also an element of, well, it's here, and I want to try it at least a bit. Sure. Right? But yeah. then that yeah. adds to the learning curve. Um, yes. And I think, for, for me at least... Um, another well you have abilities and natures and I think those were added both in generation 3 those don't go away and those continue to be part of a well I mean yes. it, it, so so how uh, how these things make the gameplay I wouldn't say more interesting but more <clears throat> um, mechanical is that when it comes to breeding and this is what I think most of the the hard not, not I wouldn't say competitive but the hardcore players really focus yes. on which is breeding yes. Yes. And breeding eats up a shit ton of time. Yes. Um, well, partly because there's a time element to it. You know, like, you can't mm-hmm. speed that part up, up right? Because no. when you do the breeding, you it's need RNG. the... There is the RNG. Um, there is the time that has to pass before you get the yes. egg. Then you have to hatch the egg. So that part is just kind of yeah. unavoidable. But I think... Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, so in Gen 2, Gen 2 introduced breeding, right? But yes. Gen 3, now you have the now you have the natures, you have the abilities. Yes. And that I I don't I also I think like, from Gen 4 or 5 onwards there's hidden abilities as well. Right, yeah. And I like it just multiplies the number of things that can go wrong. Yeah. Right, if you're if you're if you're well, if you're playing to breed the Pokemon, like if you're if you're trying, if you're to... playing for some kind of optimal strategy, you're right. It, Correct, it does multiply number of things that can go wrong. I mean, wrong is is in itself a loaded term, right? So Correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but the thing is, like, if you are really trying to go for like battle frontier and things like that, you do need sure. a close to optimal strategy. You right, really just, do. Yeah, you just need something casual perfect. gameplay not, not doesn't just... cut it. So not just abilities, not just nature, but I- individual values as well. Ah, yes, IVs. IVs, yeah. 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 So I mean and then um well I was gonna go with the thing about movesets is you, you can breed that to some degree, so that's a oh God, separate issue. Such a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. So Because okay, thing, I mean uh-huh. take take it from my my, my current favorite uh, uh breeding Pokemon which is Azumarill. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of people overlooked Azomarill in earlier generations because it didn't have a nature then, but uh, it have abilities. Right. And uh, Azomarill has two abilities, uh-huh. uh, but the one everyone goes for is called Huge Power. Okay. And what Huge Power does is it takes your attack stat times two. 
Ouch. Which makes it... Um, and, you know, Azumarill is a tank because it's got very high HP. Now, that is ridiculous. Stat. Like, if you let's read look out... Up, uh-huh. Let's look up Azumarill's uh, base attack stat. Okay? Uh, its base attack stat, uh, unenhanced, is... Not that impressive. It's 50. Okay. But times 2 is 100. That's the same that as its is, HP. That's... Yeah. And especially if you get one with Sterling IVs, that's... Yes. And, 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 and... If you mm-hmm. read it right, Azumarill uh-huh. can learn Aqua Jet, which is a priority move. Ah. Oh. Which accounts okay. for its fifty speed base fifty speed. So it means that you can attack first and with incredible force. Nice. And if you can tank the opponent, you can use Belly Drum, which cuts your HP in half, but doubles your attack again. <laughs> yeah. I mean competitive. <laughs> Competitive Pokemon in the sense of, you know, Battle Frontier and all that stuff. I've yeah. never really seriously um, looked into it. But right. if you... <laughs> Somebody has speedrun it. Oh, boy. And How do you speedrun Battle Frontier? 19 hours. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes if you want to torture yourself. But uh, it's one of the great... 19 hours. He's one of the great Pokemon runners of all time, um, Worcester. Okay. And he's not really... My impression, at least, is that he's not really plugged into the Pokemon speedrunning community anymore. But he doesn't really need to be when he's doing these types of runs because nobody else is... Sure. Nobody else is trying to do 19-hour runs. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. And and he has so the way that he does it right is that he has all these things perfectly mapped out, right? Yeah. So you get the Pokemon with, um, I I believe it has to be from a fresh start, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so you need to have um some kind of RNG manipulation probably, or it has to be. A Pokemon that is reliably, you know, that's going to be very consistent. But I mean, there's always going to be yes. some variation in the IVs, and so, yeah, yeah, yep. you you're you're going to want RNG manipulation where you can get it, so you can max out yes. the IVs, um, and then I mean, it's just, always going to be the pseudo legendaries, uh, you yeah. know, because they have what base six hundred stat anyway. Can you use no? Well, pseudo legendaries, yeah, you can't use legendaries. In no, you can't use legendaries, yeah. but pseudo legendaries like you know Dragonite, Tyranitar, Salamence should be kosher. They, they they should be, but I don't know if that is what he used. Um, okay, I think I watched one of those runs, and I don't remember. But I mean, once was enough. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's everything is meticulously planned out. Yes, it's also about typing. You know, typing combinations so you have maximum yeah. coverage. I mean. If you read Smogon regularly, it's like, what the hell? They really go into all these, you know, you have the Stealth Rock people, then you have the, the, the walls like Tentacruel yeah. or, or Muck. But, you know, where they just go out, lay poison spikes, and they just you know, just, just recover, recover. Right, but recover, the thing recover. that's really impressive is um, in the in Battle Frontier, right? Yep. It's not just what your moveset is, but also what your opponent's moveset is. And, that's right. And so Worcester had it all broken down like at any given point holy shit right what are the what are the chances that he's going to meet a yep. particular move and how to respond to each of them of course of course in any pokemon speed running they do yep. this 
but yes. usually they do this for only the runners, uh, only the trainers that they have to fight. Right, yes, and so if you correct. watch a Pokemon speed run, they know exactly. Okay, this trainer. But those are also a, known entities, right? So I those mean, those are for the known entities. You have to fight. You know exactly what moves that they have. But for the yes. Battle Frontier, it's randomized. Yeah. To some extent. To some extent, so again, RNG manipulation. Yeah. And a very, very, very deep knowledge of the game. So it's just crazy stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, so I don't I mean, know. I'm just still amazed by Azumaru because I only dis- discovered this this Pokemon quite late. As in, you know, it's one of those that like, ah, Meryl, you see it, you kill it. Uh, <laughs> and then you, you know, you read through Smogon and it's like, holy shit, this this is a beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say also abilities. I mean, in general, this is this is true of all Pokemon, right, and all generations. But abilities turn some otherwise, um, I don't want to say unusable Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's still a pain to use some of these Pokemon. Like you wouldn't necessarily choose them. So yes, the thing about the Gen two games and their remakes is the number of water HMs. It's really annoying. Yes, and yes. Which is why by um, well, this is Gen seven really. Uh, HMs are no longer are no tied longer to thing. specific Pokemon. So you yeah. basically you can call outside Pokemon to do the HMs for you. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they finally realized that HMs only there lead are... to the rise of HM slaves, which yes, are exactly quite pointless. The thing about yeah. HM slaves is, I mean, I don't in in my own like casual gameplay. I obviously you are going to have some Pokemon that are HM slaves, right? Um, yes. But I don't like carrying around Pokemon that has that has no chance of being used. So I do try well, and distribute them out. But when it yes. is when you have three water moves. Yeah. It's really challenging. Well, I mean, three water moves is one thing, but bear in mind that surf is a special and then waterfall mm. is physical, which is like, uh, you know, you, you yes. want, you, yeah, you know, you want it's... to have one water type on your team and you want it to either be a special attacker or a physical attacker. Correct, yeah. I mean, the thing, again, I'm a filthy casual, right? So, sure. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I keep those those things in mind, but... During normal gameplay, it doesn't bother me sure. that much. And although, to be fair, Waterfall is a spectacular physical water move. Yes. It is exceptionally I mean, powerful. Yeah, it's useful to have. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, this is true of... When do they do the physical special split? That's Gen 2, right? Gen 2 as well, yes. But is the that... Gen 2 actually introduced a lot of the mechanics that have more or less been constant throughout the the rest of the generations. Unlike, you know, I think this was um, Gen 6, which introduced Mega Evolutions that kind of didn't carry, you know, carry over. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, Z moves in Generation 7 that didn't carry over as well. So it's like, uh, yeah. you know. Which, um, I'm thinking, Sword and Shield, is that the one with... Um... What, what do they call it? The one where... Is it Mega... Wait, no, that's not Mega... Not Mega, but Gig- Gigantamax or Dynamax. Gigantamax, yes. Gigantamax. Yeah, yeah, so that's the current generation. And I kind of don't like it. Uh, it, it. You know, I wish they picked a mechanism. Like, I wish they stuck with Mega Evolutions because that was pretty fun. So, and then it got discontinued and it's like... Uh, so I haven't played Sword and Shield. Uh, um, do you want to... <laughs> but there is a no 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 not sword and is it sword and shield or let's go I think no I think let's this go is sword is and shield a remake of gen 1 the second remake yes. of gen 1 
Yeah. So I think it was Sword and Shield where, um, again, at a GDQ, it was the closing game. Okay. And it was the first time that Pokemon was a closing game at GDQ. And um, there is a tendency for, for, for quite a period of time, the final game was always like Final Fantasy... Mm, um, you know big... these like epic six-hour runs. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there is a school of thought that says like Pokemon's not a great speed game, and I can see where that logic comes from because yep. so much of Pokemon is about Grinding. the routing. And yeah, the routing. Yeah. yeah, it's about the routing, and so yeah. there is this feeling for people who aren't familiar with Pokemon that what they're doing is the Pokemon... I mean, the game has been planned out already and you're just trying to execute perfectly. Yes. And I mean, that's true of any speed game, right? But the thing is, like, sure. when your perfect execution is, like, again, SMB, you know, Super Mario Brothers or Super mm -hmm. Monkey Ball, right? Where, <laughs> where I mean, they're both SMB, but, you know, it's those mm -hmm. games or F-Zero. Okay, yeah. no, F-Zero is different. F-Zero is incredibly glitched. Um... <laughs> Or, well, I wouldn't say glitched. It's incredibly broken. Right. But games where the skill component is... Um, it's weird to say this, but games where the skill component is physical. Like, it's yep. about physically being able to press the buttons at the right time. Right? Yes. Um, it's about control. Control, yeah, I yeah. Say. Yeah. Mm. So, for people who like that kind of speed running, mm -hmm. they don't like watching Pokemon runs. Right. right? Because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. this feeling that, well, I'm just, you know, like that there is not a lot of skill involved relative to you watching somebody play, you mm. know, um, a Mario ROM hack. Yes, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Pokemon was, uh, I think it was Sword and Shield that was the final event okay um, in a GDQ this is last year is it? I think yeah I want to say last year yeah and I think I recall I didn't watch it but I recall mention of, I, I remembering mention of yeah, this I yeah I definitely mentioned it because yes I, there was an incentive to <laughs> catch is it a Whalmer that is I, I, I again I've not played Sword and Shield Whalmer yeah. Whalmer is a gen 3 Pokemon yeah from Ruby Sapphire, yeah. Yeah. I want to say that... Because I'm, I've my only interaction with Sword and Shield is watching that run, right? So right. there is a portion where where um, Etiquette, the runner, he yeah. catches a Whalmer. Um, there is a... There was an incentive for him to catch the Whalmer, if I, if I remember correctly. Like, he's like, you know, if I hit... The, if we hit this amount, I'm going to go go out of my way and catch the Whalmer. And then, in the final battle, uh, he gigantamaxes the Wilma, something like that. Yes. I, can't remember, I can't remember the details. Yes. Waylord and or Wilma, and it's... Waylord, 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 Waylord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is gigantic. Because, again, we are in the, three, the realm of 3D Pokemon. Yes. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah, and I mean... I don't know how Etiquette does it, but every time he <laughs> runs Pokemon at GDQ, something epic happens. Right. Uh -huh. um, like, this, just so, this kind of nonsense happens. So, I mean, Pokemon Sword and Shield 
it's a very short game compared, you know, and, and I, I think one of the, the, the things that perhaps draws me in and the reason why I like Crystal so much is Crystal is a long ass game. Right. Like it's Which... genuinely a really long game. You know, you need at least, I think, even if you're speeding through this, you know, on a, on a speed boosted emulator, you need at least two or three days to finish the game. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you how long it takes on a speed run. I think it's in the realm of three hours plus. There we go. Yeah. Sword and Shield, I could finish it in a day. Right. On my Switch. Right. Without speed boosting. I mean, which doesn't doesn't have speed boosting. Oh, it doesn't which have speed It gives you a boost, sense yeah. of how short it is. The reason why the game was so short, uh, the uh-huh. story at least is so short, is because the real feature of Sword and Shield is the wild area. Yes. Which... I guess it's an interesting concept, but I don't feel it justifies the shortening of the storyline, I, I which is what Pokemon is really known for. Well, I think depends on when you come into the game. That's true. Because um, I'm pretty sure the Switch Pokemon games were trying to capitalize on Pokemon Go, which yes. puts a very yeah. strong emphasis on, on the catching of Pokemon, right? Which the, is why, yeah, the mechanic rather than the, the backstory. Yeah, and there is definitely a set of people who've come into Pokemon from playing Pokemon Go, and for them, mm. a big chunk of the appeal is the challenge of actually catching the Pokemon. Right. So, I mean, that's... Which I think goes back Fair. to the, the point about nostalgia, right? Like, I yeah, think yeah. you probably like or dislike specific games... Mm-hmm. In any series, but I think especially Pokemon mm-hmm. because the mechanics are so consistent. Uh, yep. I mean, compared to you know, I mean, of course, any Nintendo property is fairly consistent in the sense of you know, Zelda has always been an action adventure RPG. Yeah. Um, Mario, well, <laughs> a jumper. Uh, yeah, Mario has always Mostly. been a platformer. Except Dr. Mario, kind. which is Tetris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Mario has more or less been a platformer of some kind except for that yes. and Mario Golf. <laughs> right. Mario Kart. Huh. Yeah, Mario Kart. Actually, Mario's been quite a diverse diverse uh, array Yeah, but of I think genres. that's the thing, right? Like depending on which game you enter the that particular Nintendo property, mm. that's probably what you're looking for in future versions. Perhaps. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's, you know, why the, the, the Pokemon games I really like the most were the ones with the richest story. So Black 2 and White 2 was one of those. Um, I mean, it's going to be a while before you get to that, but when you get to it, it is the story is rich. It's really, really rich. That's good to know, I guess. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, because it's a sequel from Black and White as well, which has right. a, had in itself a fairly rich story. And the thing is... Um, it, in this case, it truly is a sequel sequel in that you are playing as a new character who interacts with the old characters from Black and White. Okay. That's, yeah, um, yeah that's that's good to know because <laughs> in a lot of the remakes, which are not sequels, there is just yeah. a vague allusion to, oh, have I seen you before kind of thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in, in this case, yeah. you no, know, I think... Uh, basically, the the main character, the, the player character from Black and White, becomes the first gym leader in Black Two and White Two. Ah, okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I think. Anyway, we've talked we should for probably an hour and fifteen minutes. There, yeah, an hour and a bit. 
Um, on games, which I wasn't expecting to do, but hey. I mean, there was nothing else to talk about, right? You literally had a very uninteresting week, according to you. No, I spent the whole week... Actually, no, I I remember now I spent the week at the museum doing measuring birds, which is, I guess, quite uneventful. (laughs) I mean, uh, actually, no. uh, There was something interesting that I wanted to talk about. Okay. uh, But we can keep it for next time. It's about a label and museum labels. Oh, yes. Are fascinating things. Yeah, but we can talk about... uh, Speaking of museums, um, my family went to a museum yesterday. Which we one? went to the Singapore Musical Box Museum. What? Yes. Singapore has this a Musical one? Box Museum. Yes. Where the hell is that? Uh, it's in Telok Is it the one near the Toy Museum? No. That can't be right. No, no, no. It's in Telok Ayer. It's actually in... Um, oh. It's actually in uh, the temple. Okay. Oh. You go into the temple compound. I say the temple. I'm like... Because... <laughs> Um, the Buddhist foot rel- Buddhist no, 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 relic no. thing, is it? Oh. No, this is this is embarrassing, but give me a second. Let me <laughs> Okay. So it's the Tiam Hock King temple. And the reason oh, that okay, that's, I, yeah. The right. reason that I hesitated saying the name of the temple was that I was fairly certain that I was gonna mess up and accidentally Tian say Hock the King name. Temple, not Tiam Hock King Temple. Tian Hock King, yes, thank you. Yes. No, the reason is um um, a, a former school principal of ours has a similar name. Yes, correct. And I was fairly sure that I was going to say the wrong thing. So I had to <laughs> check myself. Yeah, the Tian Hock yes. King Temples is actually inside the compound. Uh, and funnily enough... Wait, is this new? Um, 2015. Okay, so relatively new. Wow, okay, yeah. shit. And is it worth sister, going to? That's the most important. Um, admission is $12. For twelve dollars, uh, I would say it depends on. It depends on why you want to go, right? Okay. So if you hear musical boxes, twelve dollars, and you're like, "Oh my god, yes!" Then yeah, absolutely go. <laughs> you're, the, the, you're the target audience. Uh not me necessarily. My sister. <laughs> yeah, sure. My sister, the piano teacher. Um, yes. Well, not just the piano teacher. I I asked her actually, like, why (laughs) does this fascinate you so much? And her answer was that she likes musical instruments, especially when she doesn't have to play them. (laughs) So so musical boxes are a perfect fit. Okay, Um, that makes sense. Yeah, but but there is is definitely an engineering um, Mm -hmm. element to it. Element, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as the as the tour guide, I don't know if she was a... No, she's not a curator. I don't know if she does, like, any other thing. Like, does she do any research or or conservation okay. or whatever at the, at the museum? But the person who guided us, um, she was pointing out that some of these musical boxes that, that they display are over 100 years old Ooh, and wow. still in working condition. Huh. Right? And the amount of engineering that it takes to build something that's going to last that long, um, that in itself is really interesting if you're mechanically minded. That's true. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe, again, another day, perhaps. Perhaps. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm obviously a big museum nerd. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
I will I will make it a point to visit any museum that I come across, including ones that are not labelled. But you know, there are a few museums that I've yet to. I mean, this is how I well, not discovered, but this is how I stumbled into the VNA. <laughs> <laughs> literally trying to get right. To, I, I, we're gonna. I'm, I'm just gonna keep on talking, even though we're, you're trying we're to get to the Museum time. of Natural History, and you. No, 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 no. So when I when I visit London, I I okay. This is this is how how stupid museum nerdy I am. I made sure to stay in a hostel that was literally across the road from the Natural History Museum, so I could literally walk out of the building and into the Natural History Museum first thing in the morning. Okay. Expensive, I spent two and a half okay. whole days. No, yeah. no, it's a it's a hostel. It's a German like uh, a travel budget hostel thing. You stay in a bunk bed. It's in the Scouts building. It was cheap. Okay. Even though it's in Kensington. Okay. Right. Um, I spent two and a half of my five whole days at the at the Natural History Museum in London. Uh, but that's beside that's the point. That's fair. I think this was yeah yeah. Uh, so I was I can't remember where I was I think I was rushing off to okay <clears throat> for some reason the British Museum you know it's a, it's a, it's an important institution yes it's contro- controversial but you know it's still something to visit right and yeah. I was trying to rush to the British Museum uh huh and then I walked past this really old building which in London is dime a dozen I guess yes. <laughs> but it looked really unusual so I decided okay I'm I'm, I'm just gonna go inside and lo and behold it was the VNA. Well, I had no idea I was walking past it. And I, I told myself, okay. I yes. I actually don't know if I've seen the exterior of the VNA because every time I've gone, <laughs> I've gone via the underground. So Right, okay. So I walked in, I said, okay, I'll give myself one hour. All right, right. To, in my one hour, okay. To see the VNA. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Two hours later, I finished the first floor. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So it's one of those things. But yeah, so there is one museum in Singapore that I've not yet been to. Uh, so, I mean, I during the circuit breaker, at least during the later parts of phase one, when things were starting to relax a little bit, I wanted to make it a point to uh, visit museums I'd never been to before. Okay. So the one I went to that uh, was quite interesting, but a bit small, was the Malay Heritage Center in Kamong Right, Blanc. yeah. Which is in the former Istana compound, right? The the the, the Istana Kampong Glam compound. Right. Now, the one that I I've heard good things about, but I've never actually found time to do, is the uh, Indian Heritage Center, which is in Little India. Okay, I and mean that building is quite large. Walking from the IMRT to um, the Musical Box Museum, you actually pass yeah. by a uh, Indian Muslim Heritage Center. Like, is that just, the one? No, 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 no. Okay, it's a different one. Uh, it's literally okay. one of those I never heard about it before and then I just right yeah you just walk past it and you're like ha huh. right mm-hmm. but I think uh, especially like the Teluk Ayer area downtown Singapore actually has a lot of this stuff that's just hidden that yes you're right that it's it's kind of strange because it's in the middle of a CBD but it's also a really important cultural area yeah. and yeah. it's just stuff is just lying about yeah yeah, um, the Museum of Toys is nearby, but I is don't... it not closed down or is it? Is it? I'm not sure. I I, I, I didn't no. hear. That's, I mean, for things what change so quickly in Singapore. The Musical Box Museum is a private museum. It's literally mm-hmm. a guy <laughs> who collects musical boxes. And... I mean, which is why you have to pay because I think NHB museums are free for citizens or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Except for special yeah. exhibitions. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, obviously, um, he has a lot of. Well, okay, <laughs> let me put it another way. If you have the money to 
do this kind of thing, musical boxes are yeah. not a bad way to spend it. That, <laughs> it could that, be a lot no, worse, no. especially if you're going to open a museum yeah. with them. So, yeah. 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 Alright, I think that just about be spoken enough. does it for this week. <laughs> Um, yes. You can find the show notes for this episode at monkeymind.xyz slash 016. And next week, if I am not dead from working two jobs and taking classes, you mm-hmm. will, we will record. <laughs> well, school will have started for me, so yeah. uh, I cannot guarantee anything. We will we'll see how it goes. All right. Yeah. You'll hear us if you hear us. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.